We just got back from uh, man camp, and it was amazing. It's crazy, man. People getting saved. It was. We had a. There was like an influx of, of younger younger guys that came up and, and saved, and lots of healings and spirit of God moving, and insight and revelation. It was amazing. But one of the best parts for us is that we kidnapped one of the guys and brought him back with us, and, and uh, uh, he's going to be ministering to you today. And I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. It's awesome. Because Shelby and I are, are, are getting to a point where we get to uh, strengthen some relationship with some people that are very, very effective in the kingdom of God. This guy in 1981, right? In 1981, uh, he and his wife, Jean, they moved to Canada. And they've, they've had a huge impact on that nation. And uh, there's over 400 ministers that serve under him. And he's responsible for, which by the way, if you've ever wanted to have somebody to complain to, uh, you know, to about me, uh, we'll give you his number later. It'll be on the screen. And uh, you can talk to him about me. He was up all night last night. They, they, I swung by the motel. There was a line out the front door. People waiting to get in to visit. And, uh, but he'll pick that right up in a little bit too. And, uh, uh, but just, just amazing things. Uh, born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I think, right? You know, uh, worked with Buddy Harrison. And uh, which, uh, what publishing thing did he do? Harrison House, you know, and, 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 and amazing, amazing men of God in his life. And, uh, but this, these guys, these are, these are high caliber people and they're with us. And so we're asking that you not post that because we literally kidnapped him. Okay. And so he's here. Would you please give a warm garden welcome to, to, to my, to my great, great friend, Dave McGrew, his wife, Jean, come on guys. Well, my name's Jean, <laughs> and we were here last night and so blessed. How many of you were here last night? You know, this is a great place to be, I'm, and I'm just glad you're here this morning, and I was so encouraged. Didn't you love praise and worship? Oh, my goodness, the presence of God, and I was so aware that God was moving in our midst and touching hearts and lives, and I loved, can we look at a scripture, can I look at a scripture with you, okay, I want to look at Psalm 103, if I may, with you, can, I, can we just read it off of the, the screen right quick, I am so alove, so in love with Jesus, and um, I am determined to end my life passionately pursuing him with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. I don't ever want to get weary in well-doing. I don't ever want to be complacent in my Christianity. I don't ever want to be not hungry and thirsting for God. I want to have a zeal for the house of my Lord and passionately live for him every day of my life. How about you? Amen. So while we were worshiping the Lord, I'm thinking about the scripture. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I loved what Pastor shared about that word holy. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all. I love that. All his benefits. God is good, and he's good to me, and he desires to be good to you. <laughs> Don't forget all of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity, or, or he forgives all of our sins. So Every time I mess up, every time I, I misstep, every time I screw up, he says, I will forgive you for that. He's not holding anything against us. He heals all our diseases. 
He redeems my life, one translation says, from destruction. Hallelujah. He crowns me. And this is what I wanted to share with you this morning. He crowns you today with steadfast love and mercy. How many of you are a candidate for the mercies of God? I'm a candidate for the mercies of God. Amen. And so today, today the Father is crowning each and every one of us with this passionate, all-consuming love and a desire to do good to you. So he's setting a crown on your head. I loved it where it says he will find me even in my darkest moment, even in the places where I'm walking. And I really sensed this morning that the Spirit of God was moving in our lives so that when we're on these paths that may be taking us places that, that aren't going to produce life, God is moving us. He's, he's ordering our steps. He's, he's, he's making crooked paths smooth. He's making rough places straight. There's some people in here that God's saying, I'm opening doors for you. No man can shut. I'm going before you and ordering these things in your life. And I'm crowning you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm calling you today blessed of the Lord. Amen. And we love being with you. Thank you. I'll say what the Lord is saying, okay? I'm going to give a tongue. Her Spanish lessons didn't always go well. But most of you will recognize that as what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 14 talks about is the gift of tongues, and now it's got an interpretation that goes with it. The interpretation is simply this. The Lord says, if you will just allow me to work in your heart and life, if you will just sit and rest, but be aware that I'm there, be aware that I'm strengthening, be aware that I'm placing my crown of loving kindness and mercy upon your head, upon your life. And then when you rise up, you won't go alone. But step by step, as you move into the opposition, as you move into the darkness, you think that it won't yield. But step by step, as you move, it moves back a step as well. The Lord says, if you'll just walk with me, you'll never be without peace. You'll never not know my mercy. You'll never misunderstand my forgiveness. And my healing will always be near unto you. Walk forward with me, the Lord says, and your life will be full, your life will be free. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, heard the, I heard the policeman say this last night. He was about the last of the gentlemen that spoke on the film. He said, at the end of the day, someone just has to answer the call, or words very close to that. That always brings a, a tear up in my eye, because at the end of the day, Pastor said earlier that uh, he believes, and I believe, I think, I think most of us would, that the strength of a church is in the men, because in the strength of the spiritual strength, the soulish strength even of the men, is the strength of the marriage, it's the strength of the family, uh, with, without that, there's no, there's no keel, there's no, there's no thing to hold the ship together, there's no foundation for the building. 
And that requires men in particular, not exclusively, but in particular, to answer the call, to come out for the man cakes and to listen for the man date. I wish I was clever and could think of those things. Maybe if I'd stayed in the United States, maybe it would have worked. It would go over my Canadian brethren's head, I'll tell you that right now. It's like, what's he talking about? I don't want to have a date with him. I'm not going to this church anymore. You have to avail yourself so that you can be called up higher to fulfill the vision, to fulfill your purpose and the plan for you to mutter and stumble around and find what it is that your part is initially so that you can prove yourself faithful and grow and increase because you have to answer the call. The policeman said at the end of the day, you just, somebody has to answer the call and I, I think I'll probably am like most of you fellows. There are a lot of things I do that I don't want to do, but I do them because I don't want to get up tomorrow morning and not have done them. I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and have to face the fact that I was afraid or that I was weak or that I was uh, embarrassed to stumble in front of my brethren and my friends. I found it easier just to hide myself amongst the sheepfold, so to speak, and not, and not rise up and not move ahead and not move out. The policeman said, again, the policeman said, at the end of the day, somebody's got to answer the call, and I can't find a way for that to not be me. Except that I don't think that's just typical of that policeman or of me, the preacher, or your pastor. I think that voice, that mind searches you out all of your life, male or female, to try and move you and maneuver you to that one place in life where instead of fear clamping your feet to the floor, your rear to the chair, your arms to the rest, that you have to rise up and say, I have to do this, whether this turns out well or not. When we were singing in the praise and worship service, the, uh, the part of the last song that we sang, the metaphors are mixed up a bit, but there's a picture there where it says, I want to lay back, rest on your breast. I want to drink from the cup in your hand. I want to feel you breathe. Draws a picture to me of John, the disciple John, in the Last Supper. I'm also reminded that Jesus has got that cup that we partake of, the cup of blessing and the cup of life. That was that event. And I'm also reminded that on two separate occasions, apparently, John and James' mother on one occasion came to Jesus and said, I've got to ask a favor of you. And one time, apparently, James and John themselves went to Jesus and said, we want a favor of you, and we want to, we want to like, be the boss when you're gone. Jesus, it's pathetic, really. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. It's all going to go to hell. It's going to, go, it's going to go bad, and it's going to be really bad. And they say, oh, man, that's bad. Who's going to be the boss when you're gone? Because if there's any way for us to be the boss, we would like that. Wait, boys, don't you want to ask what, <laughs> what this is all about? Or doesn't it occur to you that if I'm the boss and they do this to me, that this might not go well for you either? 
No, they want to be the boss. Jesus' response was, can you, can you drink from the cup that I'm going to drink of? They answered ignorantly and said, of course we can. He went on to say, yes, you will, but you won't think it tastes so good when you do it. It was the cup of blessing. It's the cup of communion. But for all of our, all of our sakes, it's also the cup of that call putting the two little stories together, somebody's got to answer the call. Somebody's got to answer the call on the telephone when it comes and says there's a bad man with a pistol hurting harmless people. Are you going to sit and let that happen? Someone has to answer the call when it says there's a world that's being destroyed, that our nations are being destroyed by sin and darkness. Uh, will, will you intervene? Will you answer the call? Will you interject yourself? He says, you might, in your emotions, in the depth of your soul, say, yeah, I'll help. I'll help. I'll do what you want me to do. But he goes on and draws that picture and says, you know, you really can't do this by yourself because this will kill you. This will kill you if you do this for your own agenda, if you, if you do this for your own ambitions, if you do this for your own desires. This will, this will destroy your life, it'll make you bitter, it'll make you unhappy. There's only one way that you can do this and have this succeed, and that's if we follow the progression and allow my spirit to come live on the inside of you. To strengthen you, to enable you, to empower you, to build you up, to teach you and to lead you and guide you. We talked about some of those things last night, and we're going to look back at one of those portions of Scripture. So I'm going to look in John Chapter 14, I think it is, where we want to look. I can get my glasses on to see it. I've got a long paragraph I'm going to read to you, maybe a little bit more than a paragraph, and I'm going to make some comments, but they're going to end up talking about the same conversation we had last night, and it was about the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and enabling and pointing truth out to you because you cannot be you cannot be a successful believer you cannot be someone to answer the call you cannot be a good Christian how many of you figured out that being a Christian is more than having good morals or ethics that doesn't discount the morality or the ethical stand you have to take but you can be a great woman or a great man of God while you're still having your personality cleansed and reshaped. Do not dare try to use your humanity as an excuse for why you don't have to do what the Spirit of the Lord is empowering you to do. That's, that's a shallow lie. It's not just a lie. It's a shallow lie because he himself shed his blood and died for you to redeem you while you were yet pretty dirty and ugly and sinful. So to say, okay, I can't serve him till I get cleaned up, his response would be, how about I said to you, I can't save you till you get cleaned up. And he said, no, I, I need to be saved now because I'm dirty. He says, yeah, and I need you to help now, and we'll wash our feet as we walk along. We'll restore, we'll, we'll wash, you'll get better. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. And some of those mistakes people are going to see, they're going to know about you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but you're not going to be alone. 
Why do you think I'm going to crown you with loving kindness and mercy? It's because you don't always not going to feel like you're loved. You're not always going to feel like you found favor. And you're not always going to feel like mercy is your right. So I'm going to put these things on you repeatedly over and over so you know that I'm working in your life. It's okay. You don't have to live your Christianity by the power of your own ability or strength. What I'm really after is wanting to know if you will let me live on the inside of you. And not just to make you feel better about you, not just to be a blessing to you, but as you grow and as you increase, as you learn, I want to know if you'll let me live on the inside of you and you take less and less for you about the things that really matter and let me have more and more space on the inside of you to live my life out through you. John chapter 14. He says, way back up into verse 13 here, whatever you ask, well, I'm going to read verse 12 because it's all, it's all predicated on verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me shall also do the works that I do. That is not a promise. That's a commandment. That, that's not a promise. That's a requirement. I say unto you, whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Wait a minute. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now, I'm going to come back to this and I'll finish the verse. That the Father, or in order that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Again, he repeats in verse 14. If you ask me, some translations don't put the me in there, but it's, it's implied because of what's said in verse 13. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We're going to stop. We're going we're to reflect for a minute what this is all about because this, this right here looks like what he's saying if I ask, if I ask Gene, if I come to Gene and I say, Gene, in, in, in your name, in Gene's name, I'm asking you to do something for me. This is not only bad grammar, this doesn't make any kind of sense. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray in Jesus' name. Of course you do. I'm not saying he doesn't work if you use his name. Of course he does. But it is more than the signature at the bottom of the check. You have to have the right check on the right account at the right bank. So when he says, if you ask anything in my name, What's at the root of all this is an understanding of what he's, what he's trying to get over is if you ask anything that's within the sphere of my name, within the realm of my name. If you ask, you guys have been with me for three and a half years, so if you ask anything like what we've been doing or that would help what we've been doing, that the Father might be glorified in what we're doing, if you ask anything along that line right there, if you say, I'm not, we sang earlier, it's not about me, but all the praise goes to you. May all the glory and honor and praise be to God in and through the church and through Christ Jesus forevermore. This is not about our ministry. It's not about our life per se. We're recipients of great blessings. He loves us. He's using us. But this is about instituting his government and his work here on the earth. That's why you're here. 
You're not just here because it's a cool church. It's a cool church. That's great. You're not just here because, because you can come and be yourself. You're here to be discipled, to be trained, to be shaped so you can see how he works, so you can know how he thinks, so you can see it modeled in people's lives, so you can see it demonstrated through gifts and through opportunities, so a hunger can wake up on the inside of you, so you can say, I could do that. I could do that. I can speak in tongues and interpret tongues. I can lay hands on the sick and they can get well. I can do that. That's not you even saying I can do that because the guy at the ball game today is not wishing he could do that. The guy at the ball game is wishing he could win the ball game. That's, that's deep calling unto deep. That's the Spirit of God on the inside of you saying, boom, you could do that. And you go, duh, I could do that. Because the very desire, he works in you all, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, it says in Philippians. The very desire to do right. The very desire to behave like a Christian. Those very things work on the inside of you, not because you're a good moral person. Not because you want to be a good boy or a good girl. They work in you because eternity's come to live on the inside of you in the form of his word, in the form of his spirit, to stir you up, to light your fire, so that you can grow and be a different human being than what your mom and daddy ever envisioned you would be. So you can grow into the fullness of manhood in Christ Jesus and be a whole different person than who you ever thought you could be. This seems apropos of nothing, but it comes to my mind. If, spiritually speaking, you can do everything that you're doing right now by yourself in your own strength, particularly if you can do it without any thought, you are living beneath God's call for your life. If you can do everything you're doing, and it doesn't ever challenge you, and it doesn't ever pull you farther, if it doesn't ever make you think, I'm stepping off into space here. I'm not sure where the board's at. Then you are living beneath. That walking on the water thing just wasn't a Jesus trick. <laughs> Sooner or later, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to stroll out on the water yourself. If you're ever to know the true purpose the true value, the true benefit of the life that he's wanting to live in you, that he's wanting to live through you. He says, if you ask anything so that the Father might be glorified in the Son, I'm going to do that. You don't always get every prayer answered, do you? Because if you do, I'm for sure moving and coming here. <laughs> you don't always get everything that you've ever said and I seal this in the name of Jesus, returned back to you in the post, do you? I mean, that, that does, I can't see you so well, but that, that doesn't work perfectly here, does it? Because it doesn't work perfectly at my house. Because sometimes I've asked that I might consume it upon my own lust. Sometimes I've asked because somebody else wanted me to ask. In fact, there's a great story that goes with this verse in my life that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck one time when I got scolded by the Lord. I don't have time for it, but it said, like he, he said, the conclusion was, do not ever use my name frivolously again. In my case, that meant don't use it knowing that it wasn't going to work. 
She's using it for somebody else's situation. Anyway, Jesus says, after this, it's happy. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. If you love me, you're going to ask for things that expand my name. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, because there's not the slightest chance you're going to do this on your own. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth who separates what we think, what we say, from what he says and say, thinks. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you in yet a little while. And the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Him being singular here. Back down to the case, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? I don't know what kind of algorithm they used to figure out what they were going to ask the Lord Jesus. But it seems to me that they asked questions. It seemed to me that they asked questions that they really didn't want to know the exact answer to, that they asked questions. They were trying to change the subject in some cases. That they asked questions... They asked questions that were way beneath the point. Let's say it like that. He says, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Because they intuitively realized that he was talking about the distinction between what the world sees and the experience that the believers have with the Lord. And I'm talking to you about that yourselves. I'm telling you that no matter what you endeavor to do or how, how well you execute your plans, that if Jesus has not been able to manifest himself to you individually, you will not be revealed, you will not be able to reveal that manifestation to anyone else. That you have to be willing to see the Lord unveiled and revealed to you, to ever have a hope that you're going to be able to unveil him to your community or to anyone else. That in point of fact, it's not just for the sake of the world, to disciple you and to prove himself real. He wants to unveil himself to your heart and to your life. He wants to be able to have intimate and frank conversations with you that go beyond anything that your pastors may or may not know, may or may not want to communicate. He wants to be able to talk to you about the issues of your life. You know, we're commissioned, all of us are, not just me, not just the leaders in the body of Christ, to go into the world, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to go make disciples. But to make a disciple requires the working of the Holy Spirit in your life to make you into a disciple. Other than that, it's just legislation and rules and orders that somebody else gives you. That's not going to work. You're going to get mad. Some, you have to have the Holy Spirit work in your life. So when the pastor stands up and says, all of you have to come on the mandate. 
I know what you thought. Some of you said, cool, I'm going for the pancakes. Somebody else said, you know, I'd like to go see what they're talking about. I'm going to go for the pancakes too. And somebody else said, when he, says, when he said this, now you know this is true. He said, now if you go out talking to your brother and your brother and say, I'm not going to go. He said, push them. He said, I'm not doing that. Uh-oh, church still going on? I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to. Today, morality is, is expressed in our culture by, by being willing to not tell people what they ought to do. I'm a good person because I don't tell anybody what they ought to do. That's not morality. That's not spirituality. That's not anything good at all. Sometimes you have to be able to sit down and say to somebody, you know what? We need you there, and you're letting me down if you don't go. Because if you're not going to go, I'm going to have to give more money. I'm going to have to work harder because we're going to do this. You know this guy. We're going to do this. So you need to know that you need to be in. I need you to be in. Forget about him. I need you to be in. And your own little spirit, whom you know Jesus loves you so much, he would never hurt your feelings, is going to be saying on the inside of you, you're going to say to yourself, Jesus doesn't like it when people talk to me like that. This is offensive to the Lord. It's a stench in his nostrils. I read that in the Old Testament somewhere. This is a bad sacrifice. I can't go because I'm unwilling, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life. I'm not going to do anything that I'm unwilling to do. It won't please the Lord. That's what your own little heart and soul are going to say. What the Spirit of the Lord is going to say to you is, you need to sit down and shut up and listen. So I don't like it when you talk to me like that. I don't like it when you take me all those places I don't want to go. I don't like it when you say all those things I don't want you to say. We're, we're wrestling, you and I, my spirit, the spirit of the Lord, about who's really in charge of this housing that we're walking around in. And to be discipled, to become a disciple, I have to learn. I'll take the pressure off you. I have to learn to do what I'm told to do, whether I can find fault with the vessel that told me to do it, whether I can find fault with the vessel's family that told me to do it, whether I disagree with some lifestyle choices people have made or not, I have to be able to know when that spirit of truth, that spirit of life is speaking on the inside of me, that what's going on around me and who it's going on inside of is not really the point. It's not really the issue. The issue is whether I'm going to yield my life and submit myself to what the Spirit's wanting to do within me. Now, you don't have to, I'll admit this, because I'm sure I have whole corridors of my heart that I've yet willingly opened up the door on when he knocked and said, please come and walk down this hall with me and look at the heart of my life, look at the shelves of my life. I think I have, but I still, even today, after being a Christian for 45 years, encounter times and seasons where he pushes a button on the inside of me, and I say, we haven't ever talked about this before. Why do we have to talk about this now? I've been a good Christian. I've been tithing. I've been going to church. My blessings have been increasing for 45 years now without us, without us opening that door. So I see no benefit in opening that door. I'm quite happy with what I've got here. 
he says, number one, you might not keep all that if you lock a door and keep me out. Number two, even worse than that, you can spiritualize that. Somebody might stand up someday and say, thus says the Lord, I see where you've got your heart locked in front of your friends. You're going to be terribly embarrassed. Number three, he says, and this is probably the biggest thing of all, if you don't open that door, and if you don't let me into that place in your life, if you don't let me in, and this is how the paragraph ends, we're going to move along, to teach, to lead, to guide you into all truth, to nudge you down the road. If you don't open that door, and if you don't let me in, you're going to miss the very reason we opened all those other doors for the last 45 years. You're going you're to miss the point of the game, sunshine. You're going to play it right up to the end of the game, and then you're going to sit down, and you're going to lose because it's that door, it's that room, it's that place that I've been moving towards all your life. All your life. The fact that you didn't know it didn't mean I didn't know it. The fact that you didn't understand it only meant that I took mercy on you and did not trouble you with what the end of this would look like. Because, as we read last night, I had many things to say to you, but you were not able to hear them. But one day, the spirit of truth will come. And it says, he will guide you into all the truth. That's what it said in chapter 16. He will guide you into all the truth. One day when he comes, we can't talk about this now because you'll jump up and run out the door. You'll go be a, some other kind of religion. You'll miss the point for your whole life, but now we're talking about it. I don't know about, I don't know about most of you. I know pastor's life's a whole lot different than mine was, but the first time I ever did anything in a church after I got born again was uh, I went to a church that was brand new. It was just starting. Like, I was there like in the first service, and 145 people showed up, which was big time for us, and no, nobody knew what was going to happen, so they said, hmm, we should take up an offering, and we don't have anybody to collect the offering, so how about we know you. We've met you before. You carry the offering. So sure, I can do that. Then we live close to the church, so I had the key that I could let people who volunteered in to come clean the building up all the time, the building that we were, were, we were using. And uh, I, I thought, I'm glad to help. I'm glad to help. If I'd, have known, if I'd have known then that that would require me to move several times, to leave all of my life behind, to leave my friends behind, to be standing here in front of you speaking to you right now, I'm not sure on that day I would have said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I've got to go to the grocery store. I can't keep a key. My wife doesn't allow me to have keys. I don't want any mandates. I don't, know what, I don't want to know what the mandate is because it's just too cute for me. I don't want to know it. I'm sorry, I've got to cut the grass. You get to drift. 
It'd be easy enough to pull back and say, I don't want to do it. But somewhere along the line, he starts off working with you in matters that are simple enough and easy enough that you can cheerfully say, yeah, I'll do that. He doesn't say, good boy, I now appoint you apostle to the nations. I now send you into the uttermost parts of the earth. He just says, hmm, it's interesting that you're tithing. Let's start there. Hmm, it's great that you come to church. Isn't that cool? Let's, let's start right where you're at. Because we're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. And you can't go there by yourself. But we'll talk more about that later. For now, just put your little money in the offering basket when it goes by. For now, just show up and sit in the chair. For now, go have pancakes. Just, just for now, just... Just be on deck. Just be there. Because you're really not clever enough to figure this out anyway. I'll nudge you. I'll guide you. I'll teach you. I'll push you from time to time. If you're a little dull-witted, I'll get your wife to talk to you. Why don't I ever get to talk to my wife? I think the answer's in the question right there. <laughs> if, if you're even duller, I'll bring someone into your life that you haven't learned to out-talk, like your wife. That was very clever. <laughs> I'll bring someone into your life. Well, maybe somebody will say something from the pulpit. Like today, maybe something's been said. I'll say something from the pulpit, and your wife don't know I said it. Your wife don't know what lodged in your heart. And he who is sitting on the inside of you and listening at the same time, he's saying, I'm talking to you. Yeah, well, you know, if the pastor calls me out, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, you're talking to me. I hear that. But now it's not the time, right? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello, now's not the time, right? Are you still there? Now's not the time, right? Why aren't you answering me? Because now's the time, and you know now's the time. I'm telling you right now, every one of, every one of you men ought to be there for, for man cakes next week. If nothing else, you can go up and say, you know, I have no idea what the story is about the man cakes, but I was afraid to miss it. Because I was afraid if I didn't come get the man cakes, it would say something entirely different to you. I, have, I haven't got the foggiest idea what the guy meant or what's going on. I'm going to eat my pancakes, keep my head down. If nobody says anything, I'm going to go home. But I'm going to sit here and listen because I don't want to look like I'm not playing on the team. I don't really know how to play this game yet, but I don't want to look like I've only been to the church for three weeks. How could this have anything to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Why do you think you came three weeks ago? You just show up, you come, you listen, and you pay heed to that affirming voice in your own heart that says you're hearing truth, you're obeying, you watch what God does. If you got a really cool church, because you really exude strength, confidence, and power. I think if anybody had a chance of making it under their own horsepower, it's you guys. Any place I've ever been, that's the truth, any place I've ever been. But that highway's going a different direction. 
You won't get there on that road. The only way you'll ever get there is if you make room in your own heart and life for the Spirit of God to begin to teach you, lead you, guide you, show you what's in the sphere of His realm, of His life, for you. I can't tell you that. Nobody else can give you that. Somebody can affirm it and confirm it. Somebody can give you a suggestion, maybe supply a piece of missing information or wisdom. But in the end, we all live and die out of our own hearts. We all live and die out of the sense of purpose and vision that we have. I'm going to stop right now, and I'm going to stop with the same general thought I began with. And that same general thought was, someone has to answer that call. If there's, without saying what that call is, I don't know what that call is. I, I, I simply want to know if you'll take the next step. If you'll take the next step in what he says to you to do. If you've got enough faith, if you've got enough character and guts to take the next step without having to know where the pathway will lead you in the end. Knowing that there's a helper to enable you. Knowing that there is a helper to guide you and lead you, to communicate to you, to tell you what you don't know. To tell you what you didn't hear Jesus say. That's a profound thought. Because there'll be things that you're told to do that you can't find Jesus actually physically saying them in the book. They'll bear witness with everything that's in the book. They have to remain in the sphere of doing his will. But there'll be some time you have to say, Jesus wants me to go have man cakes. Can you give me chapter and verse for that? Not directly, no. But I do know that he's capable of telling me to obey like Abraham went out not knowing whither the man cakes were. He went out and followed. So I can get up and go have pancakes on Saturday morning and not know what the point to the pancakes is. I've kind of beat those pancakes, haven't I? I'm going to have to come back to British Columbia to go have pancakes, I can tell. What I want to know, I think what the Spirit of the Lord wants to know, is if you're ready to stand up and say, I'll answer the call. That cup might not be what I thought it was going to be, but it's the cup that Jesus has for me. I want to know, I want to know, he says, if you'll rise up and if you will drink from that cup, and go where I tell you to go, where I lead you to go by my, by my spirit. Father, I pray for this body of believers. I pray for your spirit to convict, to lead, to guide into all truth. I pray for your Holy Spirit to begin to work, not just in the church service, not just even in this moment, but to work in such a way that they become comfortable and confident with hearing your voice, that they don't have to have it confirmed by every human being they know, that they don't hide what you say, 
that they don't prevent others from knowing the truth that you've lodged in their heart and that you would discipline and correct and guide them into living the planned life of obedience, faithfully rewarded that you've called them to. In Jesus' name.